What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We're joined by our super producer, uh, Noel, the Gilded Age Brown, and uh, I, I still have this. I still have this Steelers hat. <laughs> That's right. You're still you're still wearing the hat. It's a week later. You haven't found the uh, the the real owner of the hat yet. No, no one's no one's hit me up. I've been wearing it around in hopes and and like interacting with friends that I don't usually see that often in hopes that one of them will say, "Oh, there's my hat." You do occasionally take that off, I would hope. Because uh, maybe they won't want it back. That's all I'm saying. It's like a hundred degrees here. I didn't say it was a perfect plan, Scott. I just have a plan. <laughs> I think that's I think that's your hat now. Oh man, <laughs> you've made it your hat. Well, now I'm. You know, this is gonna this is gonna change some things for me. It's, this could be big, man. <laughs> maybe. I'm, I'm now I'm officially, I guess, a, a Steelers fan <laughs> and a hat Steeler. I'm a Steeler of Steeler hats. <laughs> oh no! Uh, All right. Okay. Well, we are we are back because we had um, we had begun our earlier exploration of the origin of the Pierce Arrow Motor Car Company, and there was so much cool stuff involved uh this this interacts with other companies this interacts with significant moments in history with presidents this is a rich topic and uh, there's a lot to discuss so there was no way we were going to cover it in in a single episode we sure tried we did try though it just (laughs) ran out of time so uh so how about this let's uh pick up where we left off last week all right uh so let's talk a little bit about the pierce arrow uh the engine oh yeah okay um sure yeah, there's a there's a bunch of different versions of this engine now. Um, we're getting to the point in nineteen or nineteen ten rather mm-hmm. when they start this kind of decade long and I'll call it a formula. It's not really a formula, but it's what they call the triple lineup. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and there's there's basically three different chassis that you can get. You can get something called the thirty six, the forty eight, and the sixty six. And they all have a six in front, so like the six sixty six, six forty eight, six thirty six. And the reason is because they're all six cylinder engines at this point. They've they've up to uh, six cylinders and the thirty six is thirty six horsepower, the forty eight is forty eight horsepower, mm-hmm. etc. So the top vehicle 
is 66 horsepower. Now, all cars, as I mentioned, had six-cylinder engines, and the prices ranged from about 3850 which was for the 36-horsepower runabout bot model, up to the $7,200 66-horsepower Lando model. And, you know, within this triple lineup, I don't want you to think that there's only three versions available. There are multiple variants. There's yeah. like 60 or so combinations of, of body and chassis that were available in uh, the 19-teens that you could have. So you could, you know, mix and match all the different bodies and chassis and, and, and get just about anything you wanted, really, from the company. So a huge variety. And... Um, these three cars in specific really, really advanced the reputation of the company. They, mm-hmm. they, they really, you know, made its mark, I guess, for the quality and luxury that we talked about before. And these engines were so big. You know that, you know that sixty-six horsepower engine that yeah. we talked yeah. horsepower engine we talked about. <laughs> this is unbelievable. The displacement was eight hundred and twenty-four cubic inches, which is insane. Yeah, that's a thirteen and a half liter engine for a six-cylinder engine. The bore, uh, just in case you're curious, the the bore and stroke was five by seven uh, for the six-cylinder engine. It's just an enormous and huge displacement in this, which thing. will come into play later in the story too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, yeah, okay, we're up to six-cylinder engines. They're gonna they're gonna advance beyond this. Yeah, but, but this again, this formula. Uh, f- throughout the 19-teens, I guess, was really something important for the company. And they did a lot of other things, too. Like, they had, they had electric headlights. Yes, they had electric headlights. They had, um, as as they go, they are at the forefront of some some pretty neat, from an engineering standpoint, experimentation. I do want to say that 13.5 liter made, uh, made that model the largest engine in any production vehicle in the world at the time. Oh, cool. And uh, so... One of their one of their designs that will really stick out, and it's kind of a rarity, um, is they created a four valve per cylinder inline six engine, a T head, and it was it was one of the few multi valve flathead design engines ever. Now I said I might have said V six. I meant straight six. I straight hope six. I, I hope I got that right earlier on. But if I didn't, that's what I meant. Mm. And uh, later we'll talk about straight eights as well. But they're they're so they're advancing the way yeah. that they're that they're doing things. So they're uh, four at least experimenting. So, so four valve that's pretty advanced because uh, prior to that they were two valve engines. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they still had other two valve engines yeah, to yeah. use later on in their history. But um, you know I, I just briefly mentioned electric headlights, but that yeah. wasn't the only thing they had. Um, Fender-mounted headlights, which mm-hmm. was a radical new design. And people were like, no, you can't do that. You can't yeah. put headlights on the fenders. Because headlights were on either side of the radiator, and then they put them in these flared uh, these flared sections, housings. Yeah, and it became kind of a, a signature feature mm-hmm. of, of these vehicles from about 1914 on. So prior to that, in 1913, 1913 is when they came out with the electric headlamps, going from the old gas lamps up to mm-hmm. that. And, uh, oh, they also had a compressed air self-starter. Um, which was unique, and then they went, and then in 1914 again, along with the um, you know the Fender mounted headlights, they came out with an electric starter now too. So again, they're they're building these these large, extremely powerful, very prestigious cars, and the profits at, at this point around 1916, let's say, mm-hmm. um, super super uh, um, profitable for them. They were making around four million dollars annually by 1916. And you know, here's one thing we haven't even touched on, Ben. Yeah, we're already into World War One era. Uh, you know, the, the World War One years, I should say. Right. And they were helping with the effort. You hear a lot of manufacturers that just shut down and were were building things for the only for building the effort. Tanks. Yeah, only yeah. building. Yeah. Well, they they were actually building uh, trucks 
They, mm-hmm. they produced and, and shipped trucks for the war over to Europe. So uh, they were part of the war effort, uh, just as were just about, well, actually every other manufacturer, if they didn't completely shut down for those years. Right. But they were also, you know, they were functioning in, ra- again, rarefied air. It's difficult to emphasize this, Scott, or it's difficult to overemphasize it. But let me give it a shot. <laughs> uh, so the Pierce Arrow, unquestionably a status symbol. It's got those. It's got those unique headlights. And for the record, the company did allow people the option of having conventional headlights. But who's who's going to take that? Yeah, you know what I mean. What kind of crap is that? Well, yeah, that's baloney, is what yeah. it is. And uh, so, Hollywood stars owned a Pierce Arrow. That's how you knew you made it, right? Yeah. Business tycoons owned a Pierce Arrow. Royalty of the world had one in their in their collection, right? Yeah. And. They had this, um, they, there was this one section that relates to a film called Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, okay, okay. I, um, two things. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the River Kwai uh, thing. Uh, I do have a list of notable owners that we oh, can talk great. about yeah, too. Yeah. You wanna do that first? Yeah, yeah. Let's and then we'll get to this really, really unique version. <laughs> okay, so they did have a list of notable owners on the, on the, uh, Pierce Arrow Society page, or site rather, and I printed that out and it was way, way longer than I thought it was gonna be. I thought I was gonna list, you know, 10, 10 or 12 names here. It, it ended up being three printed pages when I shrunk the, the type down way, way small. So I'll just hit a few highlights here. How about that? Yes. Alright, so we mentioned that, uh, that, that Taft owned one, right? We mm-hmm. already said that. Will, Woodrow Wilson, a bunch of other Coolidge, uh, Hoover, yeah, yeah, yeah. FDR. But people like Orville Wright, you know, who's the aviation pioneer, mm-hmm. had one. Uh, Babe Ruth, the baseball legend, had mm-hmm. one. Ginger Rogers, a movie star. John Ringling of Ringling Brothers, uh, the Ringling Brothers Circus. C.W. Post from Post Serials had one. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Emperor Hirohito of Japan had one as well. Uh, Glenn Curtis, the aviation pioneer. Um, let's see, King Gillette, who is the president of the Gillette Safety Razor Company. And these are, again, I'm really, really cherry picking these examples here out of this, this list. It's a huge list. A lot of them are, um, you know, heads of state, governors, things like that. Um, King Albert of Belgium had one. Oh, Fatty Arbuckle had one. Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. He, he's the silent movie comic. I swear I saw a Fatty Arbuckle car at the Peterson Museum, but I think he had a, um, I think it was a Renault that was there, if I'm not mistaken. He had a lot of cars. He was a, a big car guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really big car guy. I mean, <laughs> big, big car guy. Hey, you know what? He's probably close to the size of Taft, right? Yeah. I mean, in uh, in physical. Yeah, in girth. Yeah, yeah he was a big guy. Um, let's see. Charlie Chaplin. Uh, you know, I could read this list forever. Andrew Carnegie. Oh, Mrs. Andrew Carnegie had one, Ooh. which I found interesting. That isn't her. Yeah. But, um, so, okay, so there are a lot of notable owners. And another one was an actor. And you said The Bridge Over River Kwai, right? Right. That's one of the films that... Uh, Sesua Hawakawa is bo- best known for. Yeah, so he uh, he was in this movie, and at the time, in 1918, he ordered a gold-plated Pierce Arrow as a status, uh, status symbol, which, <laughs> this is funny, it angered American families. Because it, it angered white America. Well, that's what it did. It angered, you know, if we're just being bold about this, about about yeah. exactly what it, what it was, it angered white America, because here is, um, uh, well, he's... he's He's, he's, Japan, he's Japanese national. Yeah, Japanese national. And he, yeah. he has all the money that he could ever want because he's uh, he's made it in the movie industry here in the United States. And he's throwing wild parties, doing massive amounts of drugs. He's uh, Hollywood's first male sex symbol. And uh, people already, you know, with the racial attitudes of the time, people are already 
angry at this guy. And now he's driving around in a gold-plated car. And I mean real gold. Like the, it's gold. The, it's, the body it, is plated in gold. It's not a wrap car. It's not, you know, like a, a, yeah. a, 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 what, a plastic wrap or whatever mm. you put on their vinyl. It's not um, some kind of paint. No, this is gold. It's a hammered gold-plated car. And, you know, some of the car is nickel as well, just to be fair. But um, it's extravagant, to say the least. And this uh, this led to... This is crazy. Around that time, this led to a lot of uh, negative stereotypes of Asian men in the United States. Which is... From this one guy. Yeah, which is weird when you think about it. For us here in, in 2016, you know, like nearly 100 years later, this sounds insane. But it really happened. One guy who was doing the George Clooney, Brad Pitt thing uh, changed or influenced the opinion of millions and millions of people uh and also you know it's because he had like wild parties and a, a lot of fun and a gold-plated car yeah sure so it's interesting i'm looking at a, a photo of this car right now this uh yeah. this gold-plated um uh, 1918 pierce arrow model 48 it's a three-passenger coupe and where i got this from was um you know an rm auction site and it says that now I'll try to follow the uh, the order of this here, but uh, the description it's a right hand drive first of all, which is kind of unusual. Uh, Twenty three karat gold leaf covered body, nickel plated fenders, gold leaf wood spoke wheels, silver plated interior fittings, quarter window curtains. I think they had silk curtains in this thing as well. Uh, it's it's got a known history from brand new, of course they knew who owned it, and it was restored sometime between 1945 and 1973. And it says it's showing its age and patina, but very little use. And it looks amazing, mm-hmm. maybe even beyond amazing, is how it's described. So take a look for that photo if you, if you can find it. You'll you'll know exactly which one it is. It's it's the mostly gold, um, Pierce Arrow, and, and the front end, I guess, is the nickel plated part. You know, the the, the engine cover and the um, uh, the fenders. Yeah. But this thing sold for in, in 2010. It sold for 141,819 dollars, and then in I think it was in 2012. So just two years later, it went up for auction again for. Uh, well, it had a high bid of one hundred and fifty thousand, but they didn't sell it at that point. And then it went up for auction again in twenty thirteen, and they were hoping to get somewhere between two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So I don't know if that ever sold or not. I don't have any idea where the car is now. I've, I've heard rumor that it's somewhere around uh, like Las Vegas area, like mm-hmm. maybe someone owns it there. Um, but interesting car if you ever get a chance to look at it. And you know, Ben, while we're talking about the appearance of the vehicle, I think we should maybe mention the ads at this point. Because yes. there's something really unusual about the advertising for this car. And it's brilliant. It's got it really it's brilliant. Is. Because what they what they did is instead of necessarily extolling the virtues of a Pierce Arrow, regardless of which model it was, they sold a lifestyle. And they would have these opulent settings, you know, with uh, o- either opulent settings or rugged adventurous settings with uh, these really nice looking people, right, or very active looking people. And the vehicle itself, the point of the advertisement would not be in the foreground. It would be in the background. It would be part of this lifestyle that you could buy into if only you spent 
four five grand on a car. Very artsy is the the way I would describe yeah, them. Very much Art, so. Artsy ads, and if you look at a Pierce Arrow ad, you will understand what we mean. And I'm not talking about just the ones that were printed in the newspaper. I mean the yeah, not the ones, not the ones in like 1910. No, I mean like the big full color ads that you'd yeah. see in like the New Yorker or something mm-hmm. like that, where um, you know you you again you'd see a fashion model holding a dog on a leash, and then somewhere in the background would be the Pierce Arrow, and they would even show they would even show the whole vehicle. It would just be the hint of a vehicle back there. And and that's what they were selling. I like the way that you said that they're selling the lifestyle. It's like um, what, what's the other saying? Like you sell the sizzle, not the steak, right? Yeah, and that's perfect. what they're that's what they're doing. They're they're not going through the specs of these vehicles. They're they're just saying um, things like, and I'll, I'll read from one ad here. Buyers realize that Pierce Arrow Construction stands for the highest quality they can find. Detailed refinements, and, and they speak of uh, qualities of comfort, durability, um, beauty, of course. And it says that. Um, uh, you know, knowledge of former Pierce Arrows does not make you conversant with the present model. So a demonstration will prove this. Mm-hmm. And then you would have to arrange, call and arrange for a demonstration of the models. And they would send somebody that would demonstrate the model. Or you could go there and, you know, they would demonstrate the model as well. But the ads were really, really interesting. And I, I, I find that, you know, fascinating that they would really not highlight their own product in the ad. That's something that a lot of companies can't get away with. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And now companies do this. This approach has become incredibly popular in media around the world. For instance, I always think of uh, this. This may be something that people have seen. I hope you have. Um, I always think of when I was a kid and I would see advertisements that were apparently for cologne or perfume. Yeah. And it just made no sense. It was this black and white stuff with these people looking very uh, wrought with emotion and uh, and standing by the ocean in flowing linen or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it would just fade out. And there, there would be like, Cologne, il du mystère. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> are, you, are you a writer for maybe one of these uh, these companies? Man, I wish I was. I would just have to write like four lines of something. It's a it's a piece of cake. It's got to be. Yeah, you just pick you just pick four words that sound interesting. You would be like mystery, desire, boomerang, gazebo, <laughs> and for the visuals, it would just be like uh, just generally confuse the audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shoot, it, shoot anything. doesn't matter. For some reason, have someone holding a fish. Who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, these, these ads, anyways, like, they would end with things like, eventually you will buy a Pierce Arrow. Why not now? You know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're bold in saying that, you know, it's it's like it was inevitable. It's going to happen. Why don't you just buy one right now and get it over with? But mm-hmm. uh, but but seriously, like, it's it's so weird the way that these ads are, are, are done compared to the way we see ads now, you know, for automobiles, I guess. Because Automobile ads are different. Yeah, yeah they're, they're different now. And... and um, I don't know. It's just a, an interesting way to sell your product, I think. So, uh, interesting time in the in the teens there with with the ads. I'd like to talk about one other thing that starts in the teens but continues. Sure. Okay. So we said Pierce Aero cars are huge. Mm-hmm. Right? They they have a big wheelbase. They have these massive engines. Got a lot of room. And people aren't holding on to them forever, even though they're they are pretty much works of art. What's happening is that fire departments are buying used, this is the one I was most excited about, yeah. fire departments are buying used Pierce Arrow cars and they're stripping them completely. So it's nothing but the that ginormous engine and the chassis. And then they lengthen the wheelbase even further. They build them in the fire engines. I like this. Yeah, and some of those fire engines were around for decades, man. Yeah. The classiest fire engines in the country. Yeah. Do you remember? This is a while back then. I've got uh, my, my great-grandfather. There's a photo. You can see it online if you want. It's a photo of my great-grandfather behind the wheel of his small town's fire engine and it was built by the blacksmith oh yeah I and, remember. and i think and i don't know i have no idea you know what what type of vehicle was underneath that but it was a custom body fire engine and i i, I swear you i mean it's the exact same thing it's like right around that same era too is when you know they're buying these old used big massive uh you know really durable uh reliable vehicles and creating something entirely new out of them and of course mm-hmm. This would be one that you'd use. It has a thirteen. It's a thirteen and a half liter six cylinder engine. It's strong, and of course later they're going to have V eights and and oh, I don't even know if we'll talk about the uh, the surprise that's coming later. But uh, uh, yes, so the, they're they're very dependable, reliable vehicles that are that are sturdy to begin with, and they're and they're just building them into uh, service vehicles of all kinds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're building tow trucks out of them. They're building mm-hmm. um, fire trucks, as you mentioned. Um, I think there's some other surprises coming along the way too yeah. that the company was responsible for because these were not company sanctioned. No, um, these uh, other things were off market. Yeah, ad hoc th- type yeah. things. You know, they, yeah, people that would buy them in small towns and do what we just mentioned. But what's cool about that to me is that it proves that there was some fire behind the smoke. You know, 
they were actually, when the rubber hits the road, they were actually reliable enough to be service vehicles because service vehicles live the most punishing existence of, um, well, aside from racing vehicles, service vehicles live the most punishing existence of cars. You know, we've talked about reliability so many times now. When we get to 1920, I can give you an example of, of how concerned they were were about uh, about quality control at the at the factory. Let's go there right now. All right, so 1920, uh, quality control was just paramount at the company. It was, it was what their whole reputation was built mm-hmm. on. Um, so so each engine at the factory was was run at some you know they would build it, they would run it, then they would disassemble the engine, inspect the engine, reassemble the engine and then send it out for more testing to make sure that it was operating correctly. And they had similar quality control measures for the coach work, you know, the body work. Mm-hmm. It would have uh, almost the same type of situation where they would, they would, you know, assemble it, take a look at the way it was. If it wasn't right, they'd tear it apart. They would uh, you know, refine whatever they had to, put it back together again. It, it reminds me a lot of the way that um, we see, you know, the, when you watch the Rolls-Royce cars come together, the Bentleys come together, um, and you see the painstaking efforts that they make to make sure that everything fits exactly right. The gaps are correct and everything, the grains match up, all that. That was what was happening at, at Pierce Arrow way back in the uh, ni- you know, early 1900s, in the 1910s and 1920s. And, uh, of course, you know the, the cars were driven by an inspector as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just down to every last little detail, these cars were, were just... Every detail was well thought out. I, Obsessively. I Obsessively, that's right. And only the best materials. And, you know, I found somewhere else, too, and I didn't print that because it was too much material. But um, I'm already drowning in paperwork. But um, I printed out something that had a, a, a dem- it was either a demonstrator's kit or a salesman's kit that had, uh, you know, like, I don't know if it was film cartridges or if it was just stills. Um, it had print materials. It had, uh, you know, charts that, that compared Pierce Arrow to the competition, you know, like what you got with them, what you got with us. Mm-hmm. Photographs that showed the exact same piece of uh, um, interior as you'd find in, like, a Cadillac, um, you know, some of the other, uh, well, maybe even uh, Packard. Mm-hmm. And it would compare that with the Pierce Arrow materials and the and just the appearance of it. Uh, things like the silk curtains that we mentioned, you know, like little touches like that that you don't get in the other vehicles that, um, you know, maybe they offered curtains, but they had linen curtains. And these had right. silk curtains. And, right. you know, take a look at the uh, the leather the le- leather stitching in our car versus the leather stitching in this car. It's, it's far superior. And um, just on and on like that. This kit was amazing. Uh, but, again, I couldn't print all this stuff but they were so focused on quality in, in these vehicles it was just it's, it's unbelievable it's it's something that you rarely see even now so they have survived under various incarnations the the horrors of world war one and they've become an icon in the roaring 20s in 1928 the studebaker corporation gains control of pierce arrow and they're in a partnership but Studebaker is the controlling partner. And one of the problems that that started right around uh, 1928, as you mentioned, because Studebaker would only be in control of this company for about five years. Yep. This led to some engineering and design changes within uh, Pierce Arrow, which weren't necessarily favorable. Uh, Some of the Studebaker guys got involved with the Pierce Arrow manufacturing, design, engineering. And Started futzing with it, the engine. Yeah, and you know what? The, the quality, I, I mean, I hate to say the quality went down, and uh, it hurt the reputation. And, and not only that, we're also, you know, there's a, there's a combination of things here. It wasn't just that. Mm-hmm. It was also that uh, we're at the onset of the Great Depression. Exactly. And, I'm and glad you said that. Timing is timing is everything, and 
this is not good for them because right now they're also in 1929 they're introducing uh, what they call the L head straight eight engine, which mm-hmm. is the one we, we mentioned just before. So um, it's a 366 cubic inch straight eight engine, and uh, of course I think it's a stu- I think it's a Studebaker design. Yeah, um, it, it replaces the uh, six cylinder they had been using, and I do believe it is a Studebaker. Okay, so that six cylinder is one that had hung on for a long, long mm-hmm. time, but it was a it was a solid built uh, thing. Um, I'm not saying anything about the quality of this engine or anything like that, but I mean, just saying that they, they decided to switch over to the straight eight at this time. The, the depression set in. They got Studebaker design and engineers uh, yeah. in the mix there as well. Didn't work out so well. And of course, Studebaker's not doing great either. Their, their sales numbers are way off because of the, the timing again. And by 1933, Studebaker's bankrupt. Right. And of course, due to low sales numbers. But, but the good news is that Pierce Arrow, the, the Pierce Arrow company remains around for at least a little while longer. They try to hang on. It's like their last gasp, you know? It's like their their last, not quite the last gasp yet, no. but, but close. So they, they pull essentially a Hail Mary in 1933, and they have a radically redesigned Silver Arrow. Yeah, very streamlined, the, right? At, yeah, streamlined. That's the word. At the New York Auto Show. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this is their last, last attempt um, to 
court the wealthy demographic yeah. that has supported them these years. And this is tough too because you know where we are now in the timeline. We're right. we're, we're, we're right in, in the, the middle of the depression. In the in the worst in yeah. the pits. Or the fancy word would be the nadir, which is the opposite of apex. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I, I never get a chance to use that word. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Uh, but so they managed to sell five silver arrows there. Yeah, but you know the price, right? I know the price was. In 1933 dollars, 10 grand, $10,000. Yeah, yeah. And as we said, that's right at the height of the worst depression. For so. a single vehicle. At the nadir. At the nadir, yes. <laughs> See, I'm going to pick up on that. i got to use it three times now. Isn't that the thing? <laughs> so in 2016, if you were to uh, extrapolate that to $2016, dollars, mm. that's $185,000. Now, um, imagine... It, it, the, the economy's worst point, trying to sell a vehicle that's $185,000, how, how difficult that would be. The, the problem here is, and I, there's a lot of problems here, but but sure. but Pierce was the only luxury brand that even during this period didn't try to sell a, uh, a lower-priced vehicle. They mm-hmm. stuck with their guns on this. They wanted to just simply have that elite group of owners that, uh, mm-hmm. that they went to time and again. They didn't ever create a, a lower-priced vehicle that they could fall back on for some, some quick cash. Yeah, and they tried to, they, as you said, Scott, they stuck around and worked on some other stuff. They made a line of camper trailers, the Pierce Aero Travel Lodge, mm-hmm. in '36, And they also produced a very interesting Another vehicle. Scott, we've been teasing it for the whole show. I think you should do the others. <laughs> well, they had a, I'll just, I'll just tell you, they had a V12 sedan that they produced for a while. V12. Yeah. V12. Yeah. It was, and at the time, it was considered the, the safest and most luxurious sedan on, on the road at the time. Best and, in class. You yeah. know, in 1936, around that era, wasn't that, isn't that also when, I'm always really bad about this, but wasn't this around the time when Cadillac was doing V12s as well? And there, was, who else was doing V12s? There were other ones too. There were other V12s in the There were even six teens out there. So um, giant, giant engines, and uh, I don't have an idea of the, the displacement of this V12 sedan. I just don't have the numbers in front of me. Again, it's one of those things that you just can't track down all that easily. It's tough. Um, you know, we had all this other history, so maybe maybe that accounts <laughs> for it. Um, hopefully, listeners are going to dig into this topic a little more like we always request them to do, You know, because like, there's more to the story mm-hmm. uh, than we're able to share with you in just an hour. But, oh, Ben, another another quick variation on um, uh, some of these, these Pierce Era cars. Rail companies were purchasing old Pierce Arrow automobiles, and then, and sometimes Buicks as well. But they said Pierce Arrow were the the ones that they normally grabbed, and they would transform them into these motorized rail cars. You know, cars that could drive on the rails with, yeah. uh, you know, all the uh, the comforts, I guess, of an automobile. And there's lots of great photos of these online. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many different versions of it, not just Pierce Arrow, but Pierce Arrow were the ones that they. Uh, they they were favorable, I guess, for this type of application, and they said effectively these were buses and and trucks on on rail wheels, mm-hmm. which is really really cool. I mean, again, dig into some of the old, um, I, I guess, Tumblr sites. You know, you can find uh, lots of photos of so many pictures. I, I, I feel like I've posted a few of these old rail yeah, cars have, at some point. Yeah. Well, also interestingly enough about these is that they could they were less expensive to operate and they were also lighter. Yeah. So they were well with the the aluminum mm-hmm, bodies mm-hmm. or gold, as the case may be, or gold. Well, that one didn't end up as a rail car, but never hey, the, say the, never. Before we leave this V12 thing, uh, the Pierce Arrow V12 engine, um, or at least the the equipment used to make that V12 engine, was bought by the Seagrave Fire Apparatus Company, and they used it to again make engines for their fire mm-hmm. engines. So another tie-in with the fire engine companies. Uh, fascinating stuff. 
So, Ben, I, I think we've pretty much covered everything. There's maybe a, a few odds and ends here that I didn't get to that we maybe will mention. Um, but but in 1938, um, the company ended up going defunct, and, and that was it. So yeah. uh, we, we said they've been having financial trouble since, you know, back in 1928, really, uh, with the Sudebaker company, and then mm-hmm. narrowly avoiding bankruptcy for years and years and years, and then uh, eventually just couldn't hang on any longer. So in 1938, that's the end of the company. Right. It was declared insolvent and uh, had a court-ordered liquidation. So the Elmwood Avenue Corporation was established to dispose of their assets. Uh, parts and services would still be available uh, through the early 40s. And then in 42, uh, the rest of the parts and the tooling of the factory, its infrastructure, uh, it was scrapped uh, for to contribute to the war. Hmm. Always sad when you hear. It's always sad when you hear about this stuff. I know the the materials went to you know a good cause, of yeah. course. But um, I, I just always find it sad when they're dismantling companies and selling the uh, you know the tooling off for metal, and um, it's just always especially because you know I have a soft spot for this era of or these eras of cars. You know the sure. Like the 34 Pierce Arrow or... Uh, well, you're a Packard man, too, so yeah. this is right along that line. I mean, it was a competitor. Still trying to get still trying to get that Packard one day, man. <laughs> Although uh, I would probably need to, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll sell this Pittsburgh Steelers hat. Yep, maybe. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not you mine. Know, I can't sell You know, it. Ben, there's just uh, maybe one or two more things that I'd like to cover. Or, is that okay? Yeah. Okay, good. So... Um, we had mentioned the Pierce Aero Society a few times in this, you know, that we had gone to them for information and, you know, poked around on the site a little bit. I found a few interesting things. Um, you know, our, our listener had written in about going to the Buffalo Transportation Pierce Aero Museum, and I thought, well, that's the Pierce Aero Museum. That's, uh, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. It turns out that that is not the only museum associated with the Pierce Aero Society. The, the only one that is associated with the Pierce Aero Society, so this group of owners, is a place called, um, well, let's call the Pierce Arrow Museum. Mm-hmm. And it's located at the Gilmore Museum, which is in Hickory Corners, Michigan. So it's not even in New York, not even in the Buffalo area. It's in Hickory, Cor- Hickory Corners, Michigan, and I had never heard of this place, but it sounds amazing. So this is just a part of it. The, the Pierce Arrow Museum is a segment of this bigger property that I'll tell you about. But it says since 2006, the museum has displayed an average of about 18 Pierce Arrow automobiles a motorcycle, two bicycles, two engines, and a varied display of, of uh, Pierce memorabilia, photographs, and art throughout the years. And then they have a list of what's on display right now, you know, like what's what's on loan, what's a donation item, you know, what's going to live there permanently. It looks pretty interesting. It has 6,400 square feet, um, you know, high ceilings, motorcycles, bicycles, Pierce cars, all kinds of uh, uh, Pierce memorabilia that you can go and look at. Mm-hmm. That's interesting enough. I mean, of course, you know, based on the topic we're talking about here today. But I found out that this this Gilmore, uh, this, this Gilmore facility or the Gilmore Museum, is this huge complex. It's ninety acres of, of property, and it's broken up into different museums. So, the attractions inside include the uh, the attractions include the Franklin Museum, the Cadillac and LaSalle Museum. Um, the Ford Model A Museum, which was at the time under construction. There's also a Tucker and Lincoln display. And then they also have something called the Michigan Miniatures Museum. And it's really, the miniature, the miniatures museum is like, um, really, really detailed small houses. It's almost like doll houses inside a museum. Wow. Inside a bigger house. <laughs> uh, but, but all these, uh, all these separate museums are operating on the grounds of the Gilmore, this 90 acre complex. And I've never been there. I lived in Michigan for I don't know how long. I never mm-hmm. heard of this place or I would have been there. 
Yeah. Well, so, so Hickory Corners, Michigan, if you're anywhere near there, make time to go see some of these Pierce Arrow cars, maybe, or, and, and everything else. Or if you'd like us to uh, go up there ourselves on a field trip and, and uh, film some stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just let, let our bosses know, right? Yeah, please do. That would be a, that would be so much fun. I'd love to see what they have there. And speaking of field trips, you know, it's always it's always a, a bittersweet when we get to the end of the history episodes, you know, especially if it's a company that is not around today. However, there is, as Scott pointed out, there there are still opportunities to see these vehicles in action, to get under the hood, to check them out. And the Pierce Aero Society is probably one of your best bets if you live in the United States. Uh, they have an annual they have an annual meetup. I think the next one is in June, early June of 2017 in Missouri, and it's pretty cool because. You get to meet all these other Pierce Arrow enthusiasts. There are two days of touring in the cars because they believe the cars should be driven, mm-hmm. which I wholeheartedly agree with. I'm not one of those keep-it-in-the-package collectors. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of museums that hold that philosophy as well. Yeah. And car and car groups, of course. Yeah. And then they also have you know opportunities to trade parts, uh, which, as you can imagine, is a very important thing oh. in this day and age. Yeah. Can you imagine if you were... Uh, just looking for that one last item, Ben, like how important these swap meets would be. Like if you're looking for that that crazy hood ornament that they have, it's a really distinct hood ornament. It's called the Helmeted Archer, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, designed by Herbert Dolly in 1914. Yeah, it stands out. And i got to say, that's one of my... It, is that one it, of your favorites? It is. There's a lot that are, you know, you can't really say you have a favorite, I don't think, because there's so many that are amazing that are out there. But it's really distinctive. It's really unique. It's it's something, uh, when you see it in person, you'll understand. It's it's a it's miniature sculpture on the front of the car. And I've only seen these cars at, at Concours events, so mm-hmm. very limited exposure to them. But it, it's just one of those, uh, it's like a standout element of the vehicle to me. Really, really cool. And... We'd love to hear your stories with any Pierce arrows that that you've run into. Maybe there was, maybe you're lucky enough that there was one in your family, or maybe you still have one. I'm shooting for the shooting for the stars you know, on that one, Scott. You know, this happens, like Ben. I mean, you, sometimes you'll see old antiques like this parked in someone's garage. You know, the yeah. uh, the out, kind of out of place uh, pre war car that's mm-hmm. been there for decades. Mm-hmm. Old time owner, maybe. And I will say, I believe they're worth restoring. Even even if it's crazy expensive in terms of both money and time, and even if um, there's no financial return on investment immediately, I I my Indiana Jones comes out. You remember that line in Indiana Jones where he uh, gets angry at someone? It's probably like a one of the bad guys and says it belongs in a museum mm-hmm. that's how i feel about these cars and if you're lucky enough to even find um one in really bad shape i would strongly consider seeing if there is some kind of network or forum of people who might help you restore it just because they care that much about the cars yeah, or get it in the hands of the museum you know that uh, yeah that, that would we'll that professionally would restore it and appreciate it yeah and yeah. I, I feel that way about them too I think it's uh, it's definitely a piece of modern history and there's not a lot of them out there you know so we mentioned early on I think the numbers of the very first vehicle that they built and it was like 170 maybe not uh-huh. the, not the failed steam vehicle but the other one uh, the de Dion powered one um, it, the numbers of all of these really were relatively low production I mean they're very you know ex- 
finely, you know, well-crafted vehicles, I guess, that took a long time to build. And I think that the production numbers were relatively low as well, you know, in the 200s in some cases sure. for an entire year run. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of them out there and, and, you know, consider yourself lucky if you see them at shows even or even in museums. Yeah. yeah your, your luck is clearly, is clearly working overtime. As a matter of fact, if you see one just randomly, go ahead and buy a lottery ticket. That's the only time I ever <laughs> recommend buying a lottery well, ticket. Well, they're really, they're really impressive in person. They're, they're a, a, just a, a great, big, uh, impressive vehicle, mm. and I can see why they were status symbols when they were. And with that, we are going to head out for the week. We will be back next week with a brand new topic, uh, maybe inspired by a listener just like you, who has sent us uh, some sort of message on the interwebs. Uh, you can send us a message, just like Steve did, uh, by finding us on Facebook or Twitter, where we are Car Stuff HSW. If you like the origin stories of various different auto manufacturers, from specific models to entire companies, then go ahead and pop over to carstuffshow.com where you can check out every audio podcast we've ever done. If, most importantly, you have some personal experience with one of the amazing Pierce Aero vehicles or even more most importantly, you have a topic that you'd like us to cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Scott and I directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.